Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello. Episode 399. Oh my God, I know you're all thinking, I thought today was episode 400. No, that's the next episode. But today we are at episode 399 and I am really excited. And this episode is brought to you by Amplifier. Now, many of you have physical products that you provide and sell to your fans and your customers. But dealing with the physical stuff, that is a pain and it steals all of your precious time. But my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment, screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you totally control. And I know all about it because you've seen my, or you've heard about my, uh, Try New Things t-shirts, and I'm working with Amplifier to get those done, and they are a great vendor. Love them. Uh, They help you integrate Everything from your e-commerce shop to that production, whether it's something you're selling or it's for a giveaway campaign, they are great for internet powerhouse, big companies, or an entrepreneur just starting out. On-demand means no inventory risk. I don't want a 1,000 t-shirts. I just want a couple. They are great for that. But as you grow, you can stock up on uh, on inventory and Amplifier. They'll handle all that for you. So go to amplifier.com slash cool things and sign up today. So speaking of today, episode 399, if this is the first time you've ever listened to an episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, you are in for a treat because we are going to talk marketing. And I know, hands down, you cannot be in business unless you know how to market and to sell. And that's what our next guest knows. He actually was in the telecommunications world uh, uh, doing marketing and sales of telecommunications products, including working for AT&T. And then one day, he stuck out on his own and became what they call sort of a fractional CMO. So he works with a bunch of companies as sort of their outside chief marketing officer. Because let's face it, if you're a small growing company, you can't afford a CMO. So he works with a bunch of companies, helping them figure out strategy and the way to go. And in doing that, he also learned so much about marketing. Everybody came to him and said, oh my God, you have to speak at my next conference. And he started speaking about the case studies of what he's doing with these clients to help them become marketing powerhouses. And now... He's also a professional speaker, and I met him when I was the speaker at the Los Angeles chapter of the National Speakers Association. I actually went out and spoke to a bunch of speakers about podcasting because I have this podcast, and people are always asking me, well, does it help? Well, I only get clients from it, so yeah. And uh, so the Los Angeles chapter of NSA invited me to come and speak. I got to have dinner with Dwight, got to get to know him a little bit, and I'm like, dude, you have to be on the show because you are a marketing wizard and entrepreneurs need more information, little tidbits about marketing. So Dwight Holcomb, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I'm, I'm very honored and I appreciate the invite and I'm, I'm really excited to be on episode 399. Yeah, I feel no, like this is I know. something special here. It's, it's like a Prince song, you know, we got a party on this thing like it's episode 399 or something. <laughs> that, that's right. You know, it's, uh, it's I had to get, get you in on the 300s because the 300s have been some of the greatest episodes. So we had to get you in right here. So, I love it. So Dwight, you know, I hate going through reading bios, so I don't let my guests give bios. But why don't you tell everybody about your company and about Dwight? Who are you and what makes you tick? Okay, thanks. 
Yeah. So my company is called HC Development and we're about 21 strong and we are based in Los Angeles. Uh, we have a lot of people all over the world and we serve as a fractional CMO. I like to say we're a quarterback for software and technology companies uh, to help them understand where they need, what direction they need to go and how to set up a successful sales and marketing platform and to run different campaigns. And then we run those campaigns for them. Once we set up that strategy, we, we have the staff that come in and just execute on those, those different campaigns that, that they need. I actually spent uh, a couple years of my career before I launched out on my own as a, a speaker and consultant. I actually spent years of my career as the in-house marketing director for a company called Virtual CFO, and they were a fractional uh, chief financial officer company. So I fully understand the model. I'm a big fan of companies that are growing that can't afford someone in that role to not just wing it, but to actually go out and find that fractional CMO or uh, a CFO, because I think it's a great thing. So I totally get what you do. So uh, how did you get involved doing this? How did this come about? I was the CMO, the chief marketing officer for an, an enterprise software company. And I was doing a lot. I mean, this is the gig economy. This is the new lean model of doing things. And I was working diligently to, to help us to stop spending so much money, find better ways, faster ways, unique ways, using technology uh, to do a better job, to do a lot more with, with a lot less. And so in doing that, I realized, hey, you know, I could, I could probably do this for about a 10, 15 other people that I know are dying for this kind of, of help. They're struggling. And so that's really been my passion is to work with. And I've started five companies, three of which failed miserably, two of which have done very well, uh, including this company, which I'm really excited about the, the progress and the need for what we do because people are really struggling. They're, they're trying to figure out, you know, we're great for entrepreneurial type companies, small startups. Um, I also say we're excellent for big companies because that's one of the biggest problems. You know, there's about 50% of all companies that you see today, they're not going to be around in 10, 15 years. And it's because they can't do this, this lean methodology. They can't figure it out. They're, they're too bloated and they're having troubles going in and saying, how do we do this for less? You know, how do we not engage an entire team or how do we increase the bandwidth of a team to do more if they're overwhelmed with what they're currently doing? So just kind of seeing that need is what really drove me into this. And I said, I think we can do a good job of this. And one client turned into two, they turned into four, they turned into 10. So we've, we've really been lucky and blessed and, and it's been a lot of hard work and it's been reinventing ourselves as we go. But the, the one, I think, key element in all this is just always forward thinking and looking at what's coming down the pipe and say, what, what else can we be doing today that we're not doing? And what new tools can we do this more efficiently? And what items can we farm out to vendors or, you know, using the gig, gig economy ourselves? How do we tap into better resources? So you brought up two things I want to tap on. The first one is you said you've started several companies, three of which failed miserably. I hear this a lot from entrepreneurs. This is a common theme uh, from people on this show. And yet, you know, our society, nobody celebrates failure. And yet the entrepreneurs I know who are having success, a lot of them say, yeah, this is my fifth, eighth company. Uh, what, why do you think that's important to just put out there that, yeah, as an entrepreneur, I, I tried some things and by the way, we flushed money down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it's, I believe failure, just like you hear just about all, you know, all the, all the gurus out there where they're going to say fail forward, you know, you have to fail to learn. And I think it's through the failure that you have some of the best lessons. And 
after, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up and wiping yourself, you know, dusting yourself off and, and saying, Hey, okay, that hurt, but I think I see a little bit better way of how to do it, or at the very least, how not to do something. I think it's critical. I think it's really helped me to learn some of the most valuable lessons. And if somebody came to me and said that they'd never done anything and they wanted me to invest in them, I, I don't, I'm nervous if they haven't failed. I'd, I'd like them to have gone through some pain and to see some ways that, does, that don't work. You know, if somebody were given a million dollars in investment and they just took off like a rocket and they never had any failures, those are the companies I worry about because those are the ones that when trouble does come, when we have another 2008 and it's going to happen, you know, what, how do they make it through that? And so that's where I really believe the, the failure has been a really critical part of learning and getting better and advancing. And the other thing you sort of touched on is is that you launched out and started this this you know virtual or excuse me fractional CMO company, but the other thing is is now you said in your intro that you had like twenty employees. So how do you go from being the guy who goes out and says, "Oh, I'm going to pick up one client," and then five clients, to "Oh, now I have an entire company with other people involved." You know that's a fantastic question, and it, I, I don't really know when that exactly happened. I think it's kind of a blur at this point. You know, it's, it's, I started out with me. I said, I can do this and I can help some people out. And then it's also then once we get those first clients in place where I was then using vendors already. And then once I found enough vendors where, and in some cases, a vendor became an actual full-time employee. A couple of overseas people I worked with, they were fantastic at what they were doing. And I just made them an offer. I said, hey, you guys, how's your business? Are you, you know, are you getting enough business? How, how would you like to have a stable income you guys are awesome. You're a great partner. How about I would just hire you full time? And I've had a couple of those happen that, that went really well. And then as we brought on new clients and it just became overwhelming for any one or a couple of people to do the work, we really said, okay, strategically, who else can we bring in to help? Sometimes it's still vendor partners. And, and then once we got to the point where we had enough solid revenue coming in with stable clients who had been with us for at least a year or so, uh, then we could say, all right, this is, this is a longer term play. Let's go ahead and put some, some assets in place that are going to be full time. So it was really a, a look at the, the overall landscape in terms of what's the strategy going forward. I, one of my first best hires was our senior project manager. Uh, her name is Molly and Molly was, <clears throat> um, I, originally I was supposed to hire another me. I was going to try to replace myself. And I did, and I found out after having Molly come on board, that's not what I needed. I needed a Molly who could do all the things I can't do. And so she's the realist in our group. She's the uh, project manager who helps keep things in motion. We use pro, uh, Basecamp as our project management tool. So she makes sure that thing sings and that it's everybody keeps in track and all the different project managers that report to her, that they're making sure things are going in sync. And we follow you know a very specific path of what gets done on any given day and who's assigned what tasks. So... Um, sometimes it's also understanding that you don't know what you don't know. And, and me thinking I needed another marketer was not the right answer. And after consulting, and, and I belong to a couple of different, uh, I have a, there's a group from my business school called the Anderson CEO Forum. It's a group of CEOs that get together once a month. I'm in another mastermind group uh, that's, that's all for marketing agency type people. So I learned so much from those kind of groups as well where they'll, um, I was talking about this originally and they, they suggested, hey, maybe you need to get an operational person involved. And so sometimes it's also just when you don't think you know 100% the answer, if you don't have that experience to just ask some questions 
And that's where I got some good advice early on this to say, you probably should bring in an operational person. And that, that was a good, that was great advice. <laughs> so the company's continuing to grow. And along the way, like you told me, you know, you started speaking as a way to sort of promote the company to show that you were the expert on marketing and hire me to come in and help your company be marketing uh, savvy. And the speaking has taken on a life of its own. Let's talk a little bit about that because I make my entire living as a professional speaker. I go and speak. I get a check. I go home. Uh, but there is a whole world of people who are entrepreneurs, especially in the consulting world, who speak. Sometimes they get paid to speak, but sometimes they go out and speak at a big marketing conference and they pick up hundreds of thousands of dollars of clients. So they make more than I do from giving the speech. That's a totally great model. And I think you have kind of a mix of that. So let's talk about the fact of having a company, running a company, 20 people you know, involved as, as, as employees and contractors and tons of clients. And yet at the same time, you know, you're building this speaking career that dovetails into it as a marketing expert. What's that like? Yeah, that's a great point. I, there's a lot of people, I think, in my shoes that speaking is not their primary source of revenue and it's not what they do full time, but it's become a byproduct of stuff that they already do, a, a, a clients they're engaged with, activities that they're doing for those clients. So one of my first big speaking um, gigs, I guess you call it, was uh, it was in Singapore for the Asia Insurance Review. And I went out for a client who has an insurance software product. And I was there to, to give a, an, an educational presentation about technology in general in that space and what was going on in the U.S. marketplace with insurance technology. And so I was speaking to that audience. It was a group of global CEOs and I was there under my company name, not my clients, and I was using their information as a case study. So it was very relevant to that audience, but it didn't come across salesy at all. So it was a great way to get in and be able to highlight my client's uh, software to that audience and get the exposure. Because what happened is, I, I mean, I presented it in a way that was exciting, that they got to see, here's some cool cutting edge stuff that's happening from this company and what their software does. So when I got done with the presentation, there were a number of people that came up after and said, hey, that sounds pretty cool. That company you were talking about, can you share more about it? And I was there with their, their global director of sales who then I said, oh, yeah, by the, by, by the chance they're actually here. Let me introduce you. So they were, it worked out. It was a great situation for all of us. And then I was asked to do a number of other speaking engagements that came out of that as well. So um, in, in, the, in that case, my client really paid for most of the, that opportunity for me to be there as well as my consulting hours of doing it and everything else. But then from that came other engagements. So it's, and I've really from that spoken all over the world in places like Hong Kong and, and uh, Kuala Lumpur and, you know, and Singapore and, uh, and Bangalore came out of that. So it's, it's, that was a really cool uh, thing to do, which I I'd had didn't, that wasn't even my intention, but they wanted to get into the global marketplace and we found that event and, and it just ended up being a nice way to kind of segue into speaking for them. So let's talk about the National Speakers Association then. A lot of people who are consultants who speak and build their brand and their model through doing exactly what you're doing, a lot of them kind of roll their eyes at the National Speakers Association like, well, I'm not really a speaker. I'm doing this and I've got my billion dollar or my multi-million dollar company. How come you got involved with NSA and how come you give back as a member of the board and a volunteer? Well, after I got into this whole speaking animal, I decided I wanted to be better at it. And I knew that I had done this, some of the Toastmasters speaking just to kind of work on my, my actual, you know, how I present and, and, you know, the art of actual speaking. And then I realized there was a business side to it that I wanted to become better. 
And I found our local chapter in Los Angeles. I was just blown away by the, the level of speakers that they were coming in to speak for our chapter. You included. Your information was just amazing. Um, it really was. I'm not just trying to butter you up. because I was going to say, show. I love nothing more than pand- pandering, <laughs> pandering to the host of the show. I love that. Yeah, I, I have not heard a presentation on, uh, on podcasts like what you gave. It was just amazing. And so that's the kind of thing that really drew me to this organization is I kept coming back for more. I kept saying, wow, these are people who really understand the business of speaking. I graduated from UCLA Anderson, the School of Management there, and I'm, I'm very impressed with our alumni. And there's amazing business people in, that, in our alumni organization. And at the same time, there's a different type of person in this National Speakers Association. These are innovative, forward-thinking entrepreneurs who are running a speaking business that, that doesn't end at speaking. I mean, many of these people have multiple reams, uh, streams of revenue coming from all different kinds of creative uh, ways of going out and getting new business, whether it be online courses or speaking itself or uh, consulting. I mean, you name it. And I, and I remember walking in and I sat down to someone and they next to someone and they said, well, I they had a book there. I said, Oh, what's this? Oh, that's my book. Where's your book <laughs> I said, book? What are you talking about? Well, as it turns out, I'm just now completing my book. It's going to, it's being published this next month. So it'll be the first copy will be released. And I'm so excited because I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been a part of this group. So, so what's and your I book just, called? It's called the lean CMO. And it's about everything we're talking about. It's about doing less, doing more with less on uh, taking a small budget and making yourself look like a fortune 100 company. So, so let's jump into the lean CMO. It'll, uh, this will come out if it's coming out in a month, the, uh, this uh, interview will be out before it, but I'm sure you can jump over to Amazon and find it and order it and do all that stuff. But let's yeah, jump into yeah, this. So, so what advice do you have? for entrepreneurs about marketing, about being lean with their marketing. But, but what do you tell somebody who has a business? I don't care if it's one person, 10 people, 200 people, 2,000 people. What advice do you give to entrepreneurs about marketing? We go through in every single client engagement, a very important set of strategy and branding exercises. <clears throat> we'll do a full day workshop with a client and in that, I recommend the same thing to everyone. I say that one of the very first things, so, so there's all these, we call our six pillars of marketing. There's all these things you can possibly do, email automation, LinkedIn outreach, social media content, yada, yada, yada. But it really, I mean, this is what any lead generation company can do. What's, what's key though is not, is most people don't know exactly who they should be marketing to. And <clears throat> when you start with identifying who's your ideal customer profile, what does that person look like? Where do they live and breathe? What kind of media do they consume? What social platforms do they hang out on? What kind of buyer do you want? I mean, do you have a specific, do you like to work with doctors or lawyers or do you have a specific industry that you just hap, are happy with? You like to be around and associate with? Are they good clients? Are they good customers? What, uh, if, and there's companies I deal with that have a lot of different companies in different areas. And so then we'll drill down and say, okay, what come what, what type of company have you solved a problem for that's very specific to their industry? And then let's work with that because then we can get a testimonial from them. We can go out to another, uh, to that same segment and say to people, Hey, are you struggling with this exact problem in your industry? So when they see the messaging, it just resonates with them. They say, Oh yeah, that's our problem. Exactly. And if they have a, 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 if they're evaluating different vendors and they see that solution, that's exactly for them, for their industry, for that exact problem, Versus some other company that's saying, hey, we can do everything for everybody. 
they're going to go with that specific solution. And so that's one of the most critical things that I get people to start with is just making sure they have clear, uh, a clear vision in terms of who do they want to go after what to, to define what that problem is. And then there's other things that we do after that, like we do a Simon Sinek why exercise and identifying what not only their why is, but why the customer cares, you know, the, 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 MP3 player example of Microsoft talking about it's 32 megabytes of, you know, of memory for your songs versus iPod that said 10,000 songs in your pocket. That's why people care because they get the 10,000 songs in their pocket. It's helping people create those kind of little bits of messaging that when people see it, they say, oh, that's for me. I get it. So those are kind of some of the first most important steps. And that's on, you know, really just setting up how do you go out into the marketplace. And then when you start looking at how to improve what you're doing, it's, Using services like Fiverr.com and, and you know, uh, I use VCTA for my calendar scheduling. So, you know, it, just efficiency. It's finding ways to be efficient where most people aren't and finding what new tools are coming your way that you can do things differently and better than before. Video is a huge part of what we do. So, I encourage people to use tools like useloom.com or Vidyard is a good one now that it actually hooks into Outlook where you can send somebody a direct email and say, hey, happy we met. Just want to put a, a name with a face and, and check out some of these stats in our email here, how we might be able to help you out. Looking forward to our, our meeting. You know, where you're actually doing something different using technology like that where you can hook it into an email and it puts a thumbnail of that video into the email. So when people see it, especially when you write their name in it, write their name on the front slide, it says, hi, John, hmm. and they see it and they're going to open that up. And so your conversions are going to go up for things like that. So it's it's first creating a strategy, then looking at what tools and what campaigns you can run that create efficiencies for your company, doing stuff unique using technology and, and just forward thinking mentality about how do we do this? How do we play this game a little bit differently than everybody else? Hmm. No, that's, that, that's awesome. That's good advice. Hey, uh, you said it yourself. You failed a few times. You succeeded a few times. How come some entrepreneurs, we all start off with a lot of potential. I mean, my main thing that I speak to companies now about is what I call the paradox of potential. We get so excited about potential, but potential is not a solution. Potential doesn't equal results. So every business you started, you had potential. You've seen this with other entrepreneurs, with companies you've worked with, with companies who weren't smart enough to hire you, who failed. How come some people have potential and they fall into the abyss, and other people are able to build their own way across and, and get more success. Why do you think that is? Uh, there's so many things, I think, that contribute to it. Uh, one of them, I believe, is, is probably, I, I think early on, I didn't reach out enough to people that I could get advice from. I, I was really excited, and I had some money to go do some stuff, and I decided, I'm just going to go put this together. And I blew through a bunch of money and, and you know, ended up, I was, uh, so one business that I started was a little company called iBuyBaby.com. And I, I had my, my newborn son. And I thought, I'm going to get into organic baby products. And I, I, did, I didn't want to have actual inventory. So I was doing all drop ship. And I realized I had no margin and I was selling stuff that Amazon was selling. So I was competing directly with Amazon. That always and works learned, out well. Yeah. And, and yeah, that always works out. That works out well. It's, it's a good strategy. Go do that. <laughs> no, it's, it's a horrible strategy. Don't do that. It has to be unique. It has to be different. It has to be something they're not carrying. It has to be a very specific niche that you can also add some, some level of uh, expertise or advice uh, that's related to that industry that, that people would find value in addition to what you're selling, I think is probably one of the keys there. But for me, it was that I didn't ask anybody that. I just went, I just bulldozed ahead. I charged ahead with that idea that I'm going to go do this. And I had so many people I could have talked to that I know have, uh, 
good business experience and incredible success that I could have just, you know, reached out and found out, you know, and r- at least run the business plan by them before charging ahead. I, so I, I would say anybody who's really either in the beginning stages of starting up or uh, if they're considering doing it, really make sure you find, uh, if, if you can't find somebody directly or personally, there are a million books that you can tap into to you know, start reading, become a voracious reader. I just read nonstop all the time. I just move from one book to the next. And I believe that it's just, it's, it's um, I can't remember who said it, um, but they, it was, they were making a point that, you know, there's just a library full of, of existing alive and dead people all together that have so much collective knowledge that if we're just completely, uh, we're just ridiculous if we don't tap into that because you can avoid any problem. You can solve any, anything. You can understand any concept if you just reach out, look for existing knowledge base of that information and, and find it, tap into it and, and implement it. Well, just using the example of, of my, our world as speakers, my you know my world, getting involved with the National Speakers Association, I talk to people all the time. It's like, why do you do that? That's your competitors. Why would you do that? And I'm <laughs> like, look, man, you got to get around people who are living your dream. If get around people who are doing what you want to do, who have done it, because success leaves clues. And so, you know, people come into this business and even the podcasting world all the time, and they they're reinventing the wheel instead of taking the time to do exactly what you said. And that's a, that's something that comes up over and over again. Um, uh, in different ways. One of the things that I, I do in my training is we talk about that people say one of the reasons they're held back is they don't have the right network. They don't have anybody there to guide them. It's like, well, go create it. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's that's a shame that you don't have any any mentors or anybody to, to help guide you. But, you know, you can go find them because they're out there and, and most people want to help. I And you just mentioned too something about, uh, about well, you're, you're talking to your competitors. It's, you know, it's just, it's amazing the market potential that exists for any specialization, any niche that you're in. And so I tell people, look, don't worry about competitors. In fact, partner up with who you think your competitors are. You probably find better uh, results in partnering with them than avoiding them or, or not. The other thing is people are a little too secretive sometimes. I mean, I know there's a place and a time for uh, you know, intellectual property and, and patents and things like that. But for the most part, I tell people, look, don't worry about it. It's all in the execution. Don't worry about somebody stealing your idea because there's no idea that any of us have ever thought of that hasn't already been thought of. And so it's not about the idea that's so magical or great that, that you know, you've come up with some grand new thing. It's not about that. It's about the execution of it. And yep. so, and even if there's 10 other people doing it, you know what that shows? That there's actual market potential for it. So that's a good thing. <laughs> and so go for it, do it and, and, and align yourself with others that are doing it because you'll probably find out. I, I, a great example of this is, and, and I know this already, but I kind of had that feeling. I joined a mastermind of other marketing agencies. And I mean, I don't consider ourselves a marketing agency, but in essence, it's my people. You know, it's what they're doing. They're having the same challenges, same problems I have, same successes. So I started getting involved and I thought, oh, I'm going to run into competitors. And absolutely not the case. I mean, everybody is so specialized in their own little area that not one person does exactly what I do. I, I'm exclusive to the software and technology industry. Nobody else is doing what I do as a fractional CMO doing this. So I found that in, in, instead of having this new com- source of competition, I actually found a bunch of new friends who actually really are, are happy to help and all have unique problems, even in their own little industries that, uh, you know, just helps. I just have more people to springboard ideas off of and, and to, get, to gain knowledge and understanding and experience from. 
Yeah, and I have a mastermind group with three other professional speakers. And when we started off together five years ago, our, our topics didn't really overlap. Well, two of the people have moved into the business world of speaking, where the other two of us already were. And my topic has changed, and Jerry's topic, topic has changed. So now all of a sudden, we could be viewed as competitors because any one of us could be hired to keynote the similar type conference. But the thing is, instead of looking at it that way, we've actually said, how do we help market the rest of us? So, you know, I created sort of a hidden page on my website where I tell all my clients, go look at these people because I know every single one of them is so freaking awesome that I can refer them so easily. And people are like, why would you have a page where you refer other speakers? I'm like, because there are millions of speaking events and I can only do about 50 or 60 a year. So, yeah. you know, if I can help, you know, other seasoned people and help meeting planners find people who don't suck, uh, then I'm doing a, a service to both sides of that equation. Uh, that, I think that's so great. And, and it's, it's true. It's, and the, the other thing that's, that people forget too is you start doing stuff like that, guess what? They're going to do the same thing for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and, and so it's, just, it's just expanding that potential. And, and, and it's all up to me. It's about learning. It's a, and that's also, I think if you go into any of these things with a heart of giving, anything you do, I truly believe this. If you go in and you, you asked about my involvement with uh, NSA, GLAC. So the other thing is, I not only met some great people that are enthusiastic and entrepreneurial and innovative and all that, but I also felt like this is a cool group of people that I want to be friends with and I want to give back and I want to, I want to contribute to. And I have, same with my work with UCLA Anderson and, and on the board there, every time I get involved and, and donate my time and my service or my you know, expertise or just showing up and licking envelopes, whatever it's got to be, I always get something in return. And that's not my reason for doing it, but it always happens. And so I tell people often, all the time, if you're ever considering, you know, any, any organization that, you, that, you know, you want to associate with, if you're a speaker, definitely get involved with NSA. It's, it's such a, a great way to, you know, learn and, and to meet friends and network. But also, if you get in and start giving, say, how can I contribute? How can I give back? I, I just, I'm just so positive about this that you can't outgive in your life, if you're genuinely trying to help other people around you, it's going to come back. It's going to keep coming back. I mean, maybe call it a law to the universe, call it, you know, God smiling on you, whatever you want to call it. It just happens and, it, and it's just nonstop. So, Dwight, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I've got to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Dwight Holcomb. Hey, hey if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that I have for the listener or that they have for the listeners of this show. So Dwight, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing right now in your business? Okay, so video has become the coolest thing we're doing. And there's so many different elements of how to use video. It's so exciting because it's nonstop. It just, it's, first of all, we took a look at all the campaigns that we run and we said, how can we utilize video to make these better? So everything from advertisements, if you do a Facebook ad, you throw a video in there, it's going to convert better. You have a landing page you drive people to where you want some call to action to occur. You put a video on that that you know, has a clear set of steps and a call to action, it's going to convert better. Uh, you, people sign up for a consultation off of a landing page and you direct them to a thank you with a little thank you video and 
you're actually saying thank you to them, there's going to be a greater show up rate that happens. So it's been really amazing to watch how video can amplify every single campaign that we're running. And then, you know, when we're looking at YouTube channels for clients, you know, there's, uh, we did a test recently of a YouTube video. So a lot of people ask me, how do you do an email merge on Outlook? It's pretty simple. You just pull up Excel and Word and you create the email message in Word. You have your list in Excel and then you, you merge them together and, and it sends them all out through Outlook. So I did a quick little tutorial, a how-to video of how to do that. If you go on to YouTube right now and you type email merge, I think I'm number three with about 15,000 views. This is just me messing around. Mm -hmm. So it just shows the value of if you get into your industry and you know people are going to be searching for things that they may want to know a how-to and you, you put out several how-to videos and you do the right SEO work, that, that one video will pay back in dividends. And now you can do things like you embed that YouTube video on a blog post on your home site, which creates backlinks between the two, the way you set up the video in terms of the description and the backlinks there. There's just so many really cool things that come from video. Uh, and that's just one example of many. But uh, the other, the, the kind of the new, uh, um, uh, you don't hear about this that, this that much, but the results are really fantastic. It's video syndication where you take a video and you, you launch it out across multiple platforms using YouTube live. That's a, that's a really great new thing that's starting to happen with video. So people can use video in a, in a really positive way to get ahead. Video is getting cheaper than ever. So, you know, we have a couple of in-house people, but we also have vendors that we still work with doing everything from animated logos to customer testimonials to, uh, you know, flat icons and fly in text to make punch up a video, make it look really cool. So video has become the cool new thing for us. Uh, and, and I really am excited about, you know, the future of what's happening with video. And so I was talking a little bit before too about if you reach out to, to people with video, most people don't do that. About 25% of all salespeople are using video in a sales conversation. And so if you're sending somebody a, an email, a personal email to them with a, with a video that you're saying, hey, John, just wanted to say hi, that is engaging with somebody and in in using video in a sales process that most people aren't doing. You're hearing more about it. But even though it's completely readily available, even with free resources and tools, people just are scared of video. And so I hate being on video myself, but I just got over it. I said, all right, I'm just going to throw myself out there. I'm going to do this. And I see results from it. It actually works. So video has been uh, just an amazing new tool that, I mean, not a new tool, but being used in new ways that it's never been used before that uh, I really believe if somebody's not already utilizing video, you've got to look at it. You've got to take a look. Awesome. So, Dwight, I ask everyone who comes on the show, you know, it's great that you do all these things and making money is wonderful and being successful is great. But I think great entrepreneurs, in addition to all that, I think they're observers. So I love to ask people, when you look around the entrepreneurosphere, sort of the world of entrepreneurs, who do you look at and say, hey, he or she, they're doing cool things? Well, we have in our uh, the National Speakers Association – uh, it, it used to be the, the CMO of Kodak, Jeffrey Hazlett. He has been doing some really amazing stuff, uh, including with video now, his C-suite TV that they've launched, their C-suite radio, they have their C-suite advisors. So he's kind of taken like a LinkedIn on steroids approach to putting a network of C-suite level people into this network. And they, they recently purchased the Hero Club. So, I mean, he's doing stuff that's cutting edge. He, and he's, he's using... Uh, existing networks and, you know, tapping into to new technology in a way that's really unique. So I've been really impressed. 
Um, I'm a member now of, of, of Hazlett's uh, C-Suite Advisors, and we're putting a show together for their C-Suite TV. And that is, we're talking about you know, being creative uh, th- by reaching out to people, high level people and offering to interview them to go on that platform. You're at, you're, you're, it's an offer. It's not an ask. You're saying, hey, I want to I interview you. And so you can be a, a part of this audience. And here's the distribution. People love to be interviewed. So, and that has led to a number of conversations that turn into sales conversations. So that's another unique thing about it. But it's, it's something I've learned from what Jeffrey Hazlett's doing. And, and I really, uh, I admire all of the things that they're looking at, both from uh, an entrepreneurial perspective, using innovation, but tapping into this really broad network. So I, I, that's, that's one uh, a guy that I really look up to and, and uh, have really had a great chance to meet, meet him in a number of different venues. And he was at the National Speakers Association Influence in Dallas, did a thing on uh, book, book launch. They have a bestseller TV for book authors as well. So hopefully I can give him a little plug here. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? I know you're volunteering with NSA. You're going to be the incoming president next year. Uh, what else do you do to serve beyond that? There's a couple of, of things I've gotten really involved with. One is with scouting. So I'm an Eagle Scout and my son is nice. uh, my, my, <laughs> my dad and three of my nephews are all Eagle Scouts. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, my None brother, of my brothers and I, we had skipped a generation. None of my brothers yeah. <laughs> or I did it, but my three of my nephews are Eagle Scouts. Well, my brother is an Eagle Scout. He, he got his before me and now he has five sons, if you can believe that. And almost, I think three of the five now have their Eagle Scout. Uh, which is really awesome. Uh, but my son, is, he's 11. He's just got his uh, arrow of light last year. And now we've joined a, a troop uh, for Boy Scouts. So I'm, I've really been, and I was the pack master for the Cub Scouts and I was a den leader for a number of years. So I've really have enjoyed giving back to the kids and being involved in that. And, and I'll continue on with scouting, uh, especially as a dad, it makes it that much more meaningful. Um, I serve on the board of directors for the uh, Muscular Dystrophy Association, and that's a, a very, um, a very, very worthwhile cause in my mind in terms of you know helping people out who have this affliction. It's it's really it's really tough to see when people are are affected by this, and uh, so I, I'm really happy to be able to contribute and be a part of uh, helping out with that. Um, and then on the other side of it, I think education is really important. So I, I do a lot of work and serve on the board for UCLA Anderson for the business school. And, and um, I really believe in their efforts of, you know, promoting and helping uh, new students that are coming in and, and uh, promoting education in general. So I've, I've really enjoyed that as well. That's good. Thank you for all that you do. That's fantastic. So if somebody's listening to the show and they have to find out about your company or they need you to come in and speak, how do they find you? So my speaking site is DwightHolcomb.com. The company site for people looking for a fractional CMO, it's HCDCO.com or just HCDevelopment.com. That'll get them there as well. Awesome. And then our book is uh, the lean, it's LeanCMO.com or TheLeanCMO.com. Either one gets them to the book as well. That's fantastic. Well, again, Dwight, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to meet you when I was out in Los Angeles. I hope our paths cross again. I know they will. And thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's, again, I'm very honored to be number 399. That's pretty exciting. That's right. Tell, all your, tell all your friends they better listen before we get to 400. So this, this next that, couple of days, they got to listen. They all got to listen now. That's right. We're going we're gonna to shoot this out and promote it. And, and thank you for having us. And, uh, and congratulations on all your success. It's thank really exciting to see that you've done this many. And I, 
I know you've had uh, a lot of success in this in this space doing this podcast. So much more to come. Thank sure. you. Well, I will tell you, I love doing the podcast and I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the audience, why would we have a show? So thank you for tuning in. If this was the first time you've ever listened, go listen to more. If you've listened to hundreds and hundreds of episodes, start telling your friends. Most people who tell me they listen to the show tell me they found it because somebody else told them about it. So uh, hopefully as we go into 2019, we can continue the growth that we experienced this year and uh, get more people into the Cool Kids Club. Uh, We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Dwight. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go try something new, because when we try new things, that's how we grow. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.